Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Welcome, everyone. I'm Steve Clear, and thanks for joining us at another Next Level Brands Podcast. Our show today is being brought to you by Next Level Brands CPG Community a merger of the experience of Next Level Marketing and the educational resources of Kitchen to Shelf, the Next Level Brands community brings together CPG entrepreneurs at all stages of growth. They provide knowledge, training, courses, and networking, not only with fellow entrepreneurs, but also key partners in the industry, including packaging, finance, and e-commerce. More details available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're going to get buzzed. And, and by that, I mean <laughs> excited and focused. My guest, is, my guest today is Sam Madani. He is the co-founder, CEO of Bomani Cold Buzz, an alcohol-infused cold brew coffee brand. He was born and raised in California to Iranian immigrants. A great deal of Sam's personal motivation comes from witnessing the challenges that his parents had to successfully overcome. After graduating from the University of Southern California, he moved to New York to work in investment banking. And with long hours leading into happy hours with colleagues or friends, <laughs> Sam began to conduct research around the idea of marrying cold brew coffee and alcohol from sugarcane, which happened to be two of the fastest growing categories in the beverage industry. He later resigned his full-time job to pursue his vision of Bomani Cold Buzz. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the best podcast start I think I've ever heard. It's time to get buzzed. We're going to start off this morning getting buzzed. <laughs> this is not, hey, we're, this is not for, you know, it's not for scaredy cats. This is, you know, we want to <laughs> be doing this. A couple of things, uh, you know, Sam, right, you know, I mean, right off the top. First of all, uh, you were in investment banking, obviously had your share of going through numbers and books and everything else. And somewhere along the line, didn't you realize that CPG is not a business you really want to be in? <laughs> That's a great question. I think that what I learned when I was in investment banking, because obviously I was in the consumer product sector, what I really learned was that there's a big difference between CPG brands who approach this business as a business, and there are CPG brands who approach this business as a product that I like, and therefore the market will fall in love with immediately. I think you learn that you have to have the humility to put your customer first, to really focus on building a right. community around your brand rather than just saying, I like XYZ. So everyone will immediately like XYZ. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Um, so, so you guys were, you know, um, cutting out after work and uh, whatever, but you wanted to try to maintain um, clarity and focus and whatever else, as well as um, having some alcohol or whatever in your drinks. Uh, what were you guys doing before you decided to create Bomani? Yeah. So it was really born out of the idea of us, like, you know, coming home after a 70, 80 hour work week, we had a little espresso machine in the kitchen. We'd make espresso on a Friday night and then make a drink out of it. And we kind of looked around and said, everyone is doing this or everyone is doing something similar. So why is the only option for me to go get an energy drink, fill my body with, you know, sugars and carbs and synthetic caffeine. And to call it what it is, Steve, you end up hungover for two days. If you drink one of those drinks. And, and the other option was to go get an espresso martini or another coffee cocktail. And as much as we love those cocktails, like enjoying the drink itself, it is super inconvenient for a bartender or a bar back because it's a heavy lift, low margin drink. For the customer, you have to go all the way to a bar to get it. And in either case, you still haven't solved the problem with sugars and carbs and dairy. So our whole vision for Bomani Cold Buzz was to make alcohol-infused cold brew coffee as the healthier, tastier, more convenient alternative to alcohol and caffeine. 
All right. And, and that's great. So you have an idea. You've got all the CPG background from the finance side of it. Did you, and, and we should mention your, your partners, by the way, as well, did you guys sit around in your kitchen or one of your guys' kitchen and start doing this or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's a great question. And basically, when we started Bomani, we came up with the idea because we were just naturally doing it. And then on June 24th of 2018, we had presentation day where we really sat down and agreed and, and said that the three of us are going to pursue this, myself and my co-founders, Kai and Amin. From there, while Kai, who's our chief operating officer, was really focused on, let's figure out the supply chain, figure out this business works, Amin took the reins on the actual product development as our chief development officer. And Amin actually grew up in coffee shops. So his parents owned four coffee shops up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh-huh. So he'll yeah. joke that, yeah, he'll, he was learning his fractions while he was drawing espresso. So the, the creation of the liquid <laughs> itself was his MO. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, inside track all the way around. I like it. And that and that's also really good that in terms of partners, you find people who have particular strengths or skills different from yours or experiences different from yours that you can rely upon to help build that business. Oh, absolutely. I think it's mission critical. I think it's like a it's a non-starter. You have to obviously love and support your your co-founders and the rest of your team, but you also have to make sure that everyone has a complementary skill set so that you can develop that trust, right? Like we have to make sure. Now, you know, Kai leads our off-premise retail. When I say off-premise retail, I mean like grocery stores, liquor stores, all of those kinds of retailers. We have to make sure that we can trust Kai to run that area of the business so that, for example, Amin can focus on the bars and restaurants. If there isn't that trust, if there isn't that um, belief in one another's talent, then they're never going to be able to actually get anything done. So one's handling on-premise, one's handling off-premise. What are you doing, Sam? My MO is kind of like sales and strategy. So my I try to look bigger picture, try to do my job by staying in the crow's nest and, you know, being a servant and being as supportive as I can be to all of our, all of our team members. You guys had a little bit of a head start on this kind of knowing about the industry, but I would imagine once you get, got past the kitchen sink stage, right? (laughs) What did you, particularly with the alcohol aspect of it, because we all know that's a little tricky. uh, Did you guys look at your doing your own production initially, or did you try to find a co-packer to, to make the stuff? So this is a great question. And one of the things that I always point to that was a, one of the most important learning experiences of my life was us trying to find a co-packer. So after we decided that we wanted, or after Amin really led the formulation to say, we want 100% ethically sourced Arabica bean cold brew coffee. We want it grown at 1,500 to 5,900 feet of elevation in Southern Mexico, Peru, and Nicaragua. We want it to be okay. this much of each bean, right? Each bean, right? So yeah, yeah. that was what we knew. Then we said, where can we find alcohol that's not going to disrupt the flavor of this high quality cold brew? And what we learned was we were tra- trying different products. And we this is the summer of 2018. So we had just tried White Claw and we're like, whoa, whatever they put in here didn't even destroy the flavor of bubbly water. It's definitely not going to destroy the flavor of a much stronger pl- flavor profile, which is uh, cold brew coffee. So from there, we said, okay, we're going to use the same kind of alcohol that goes in White Claw and we're going to add it into this uh, cold brew coffee. We went around to small breweries in New York and New Jersey, and it was the most demoralizing experience ever, Steve. I'm telling you, like we were going and these brewers would outright shut us down. They tell us the idea is stupid. Who are you guys? How do you think you know anything about this category? How are you ever going to make it on the shelves? How are you ever going to get into a bar? How are you going to market this thing? How are you going to package it? Where are you going to get cans? You know, all that stuff was just hurled at us over and over and over again. And um, it was a really important lesson for us because we ultimately ended up learning, earning a contract with one of the largest coffee manufacturers in, in this country, in the world. 
<laughs> and that was a huge win for us. And the lesson is that what happened with a lot of these brewers was that they got content. They got fat and happy. They said, we have our thing. We don't want to do anything else. Whereas the most successful companies are never satisfied. They're always innovating every single day. And I think that was a really important takeaway for us. Because even now, as we have gotten into, you know, Whole Foods and Ralph's and Total Wine and Sprouts and Walmart, and we launched a DTC platform where we can deliver Bomani in 35 states. We raised a large seed capital around in 2020, you know, over three and a half million dollars. But none of that is ever going to make us complacent. We're always looking to innovate every single day and invest in our customer every single day. And, and congratulations, by the way, because that is um, an, an amazing accomplishment. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I understand that better than, than some as to what that, that takes. But let's roll back a little bit to what I would look at as the initial huge challenge, which is the governance of alcohol products in this country. So, sure. right, because, because on-premise, off-premise doesn't make any difference. It literally comes down to counties, right? Not just like, I, I, can't, I can't do this through the feds. I can't do this through state level. I have <laughs> to be compliant with whatever the county thinks it should be, including in some cases still dry counties. Um, so how yeah. did you guys, so you, you're in, in the New York metro, right? And, and you were going out, you, you're getting your stuff. How did... You know, did did you start out just by saying, okay, so we're in, you know, uh, Brooklyn or wherever you were, and and we're going to go to the bars down the street and talk to them? How did how did you guys fan that out? Yeah, I think like anything else, our our goal is always to really recruit talented people, make them partners, and make them whatever they can be in the business to give them, you know, that level of of pride to be a part of the Bomani family. And similar to whether it was production or packaging or anything on the supply chain or legal, like we're talking about now we found a good partner in the compliance space who was willing to help us out. And that eventually has, you know, since become part of the team. So I think the takeaway there is Excellent. like, no matter what, it's always people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to do that. Um, did you guys look, I mean, did you start first in the on-premise side of it or off-premise? What was your original, you know, original take on it? <laughs> so our experience was a little bit different because we launched during shelter in place. So there was no on-premise to be launched at. That's right. right. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was definitely an off-premise focused launch. So liquor stores predominantly, because a lot of the chain retailers hadn't given obviously hadn't given us a chance at that point because we were just a brand new brand. So it was very much like an off-premise footprint. And then a lot of our um, you know, our ability to spread the word was digital. Right. Did you, you lost a lot of social media? Yeah, exactly. But interestingly, it wasn't even the paid stuff that was the most successful for us. It was our organic, you know, community building. It was when all the big brands were releasing ads that said, oh, you know, we're all in this together. Now buy our product. That came off as so inauthentic to us, whereas we wanted to say, okay, while everyone's doing that, we can go against the grain. We can actually connect with the customer because what are are people doing? They're at home all day. So rather than go to the gym, because you can't go to the gym, let's do Instagram live workouts on our Instagram account where we're not even selling Bomani. We're just doing the workout to invest in the community and show them that we care. Similarly, you can't go to your favorite brunch restaurant and get a Bomani because brunch restaurants are closed. And that's one of the most um, popular times to enjoy a Bomani. So we started creating content around having brunch in the comfort of your own home and complete, completing that brunch with a Bomani. Wow. Yeah. That whole idea of, um, yes, I want to do on-premise. And by the way, nobody's open. Um, very, very, very challenging. Um, and, and for some of the larger retailers, obviously you guys are part of a set part of a category. 
not only were they uh, not reviewing a lot of categories during uh, the beginning of pandemic, um, if they were, they were reviewing them like five minutes going, how does that look? Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, bring it in. So um, when you decided, or not decided, I guess you had no choice going into stores um, again, what did the fact that it was an, an alcohol product do to your looking for a distributor or distributors? How did that affect what you were doing? Yeah. So in our category and just the general alcohol industry is a greater picture. You have to go through the three tier model. And when I say the three tier model, I mean that, you know, as a co-founder of Bomani, I can't even sell you a Bomani. I would call our distributor who would sell to the retailer who would sell to you. So distribution is a really, really important part of the puzzle. And we have some incredible distributor partners who have been supportive of Bomani and not only helping us get into stores, but then when you're actually in the stores, helping you merchandise, helping you sell through, all of that good stuff. The question is, though, like anything else, how much are you investing in the distributor? And that doesn't have to be dollars. That's more of how much are you willing to open accounts for them? You know, help them if, if the account says, oh, by the way, yeah, I'll buy Bomani. Do you know any good beer products? And you're like, oh, yeah, I like this beer and that beer because you know your distributor is distributing those beers. So that's kind of the way that you have to get into distribution. And then the distributors can help you get into retail. But a lot of the time, also retail, you have to use other channels to make sure you can have a chance to pitch to the buyer. And your point about category reviews, one thing that we also run into is like, who's the person who reviews alcohol infused cold brew coffee? <laughs> is, this, is, this, is this a spirit? Is it a wine? Is it a beer? Like, you know, how do people categorize us? It's has the, been one thing that we've definitely dealt with. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the dairy buyer, Sam. That, because yeah, right. <laughs> right. So yeah, he doesn't know anything about it, but, but he or she is buying it. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, there's um, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges, I think, for people getting into the business um, to understand the relationship with distributors, you know, why they exist and the fact that while distributors can get you into accounts, they are not your sales force. Um, and, and totally. you need to help them out too. They're in the business of logistics. And, sure. you know, with that to mind, uh, I mean, a lot of times people say, oh my God, I, I can't deal with distributors, whatever. And most of the time it's because they just really understand what business they're in. And, and so once you get that down and then, and then start working with it, you know, it, it works out. Okay. Did having white claw out there already help out? Oh, definitely. I mean, White Claw and cold brew coffee are the two fastest growing subcategories in beverage. So having those two out there and then going to people with the, going to like whether it's a distributor or retailer with the data to say, look, we're combining those things was definitely really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. We're doing that. Yeah. Um, let's let's chat for a minute about um, about the finance side. So, you know, sure. Another challenging area for emerging brands. Um, growth requires capital. Um, don't have access to capital, your future is somewhat limited. Um, you guys had a real leg up, obviously, or maybe you didn't. I mean, maybe your critical eye that you'd previously used uh, in investment banking, you know, whatever. How did you approach, okay, this is how we're going to get the capital. What did you do about, you know, uh, you know, basically um, equity and, and all of that? How'd you guys approach that? If you, if you can talk to that. Totally. So yeah, growth definitely demands capital, but taking a step backwards, even um, getting to production and creating a supply chain creates or requires capital as well. So before we even got to market, we had to invest uh, and we had to invest in creating our supply chain. And in the, our first investment round, which was, was an angel round, um, was from my mom, who 
her story is incredible. I mean, she came to this country, was a 17-year-old immigrant who put herself through college working in a gas station, ended up building a phenomenally successful company. And I'd spent my life pitching her business ideas, like whether it was my ringtone business in seventh grade or one of my other hairbrand <laughs> ideas, you know, she would always, she would always very, like in a very motherly and loving way, say like, ah, this isn't the one. But then when I told her about Beaumont, she was like, oh, what did you just say? I said, alcohol infused cold brew coffee. She said, dig into this one. This is well, it. <laughs> And that was a huge vote of confidence. That's awesome. That's as early. Yeah, that that's great. Um, so, uh, so, so you've got get the three of you guys, and, and again, different skill sets, support team. Um, did you guys all like resign same day, or did how, how did you, how did you do the exit into the uh, into the job thing? Yeah, it was within the same couple of weeks. I think Kai quit a couple days before I did, and then I did, and then Amin did on. That was February 1st of 2019. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Great timing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, couldn't be better. Um, so, so, you, so you guys are doing it now when you're looking, you know, just short term, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're sort of still mid pandemic technically, although obviously right. in, in, in certain cities, uh, things are going, you know, better than in other places. Did you guys look at saying, okay, we want to be in, these metro areas because density, um, you know, hipness, uh, all this other stuff. How'd you guys look at that growth? Yeah. It's, and it's a really important question. I think for anyone who's considering starting a company, or I started a company who's listening to this. You have to be super tactical about where you're going to launch. And when I say tactical, it's like a little bit deeper than strategic because you have to actually, in our opinion, have a good natural market, a good chain footprint, and then the ability to sell into the on-premises or you know the liquor stores or whatever your strategy may be. My point is that you have to be really specific to say, okay, if we're going to launch, for example, Southern California, okay, well, I'm from there. Amin and I both went to college here. A lot of Kai's friends from college live down in Southern California. We had the the you know the upcoming Ralph's authorization. Like those things give you a little bit more. Uh, confidence in launching a market. So I think similarly to the same same type of rationale for San Francisco, for uh, Las Vegas, and for Scottsdale, Phoenix area, which are the other markets like, you know, there's kind of five markets we're in. Did you or were you able to look at data on on cold brew and, and White Claw to, to know where they were performing at that point? Hard to say. Um, we didn't have access to a ton of data. I think just based on what we had learned from word of mouth, people who were industry experts when it came to where the demand is, kind of the coasts obviously are very innovative places for you know California and New York for new products in general. So for cold brew, I think it was, it was much easier to know that cold brew was being sold in those areas. And then as you know, in 2019, that was the year that everyone started buying White Claw. Right, right. Yeah, yep. <laughs> it, it, it took off in a major, major way. Yeah, there was I, in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Odwala, the juice company, yeah. had had this wonderful plan of expanding their their retail by they would just go look for what was a space that was rentable near a Starbucks because yeah, Starbucks, there you go, <laughs> right? Because Starbucks awesome. had already done all the traffic analysis, they knew that was their crowd, uh, you know, but they wanted a juice instead of a coffee that day, and it was yeah, and it was just really simple: just go find a Starbucks and then find out where the next vacant place is closest to it. And let's rent that, you know, and it's like, yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah research, that's awesome. <laughs> research has already been done, you know, whatever else. Have you guys <laughs> talked to Starbucks about doing anything? No, right. not specifically, not specifically. If you know anybody and they want to do a little partnership, 
Well, <laughs> you remember Open pre-pandemic, to- they stuck their toe in the water of doing uh, wine and stuff. Yeah. And, co- and alcohol, coffee, drinks. And then it all went gone. And they, 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 they stopped it. It wasn't, I mean, they barely have enough people now to be able to make coffee. Um, but yeah, that went away. But I remember that because I thought, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say, you know, call up and say, hey, you know, we want to talk about this deal, Sam. Let's you and I meet for a drink at Starbucks. Somehow it didn't, you know, right? It's like, <laughs> no, no, no totally. Steve, we're going to Starbucks in the morning. Okay. You know, but they were, they were trying to increase their, their afternoon day part and alcohol seemed like a good idea. So, but we'll, yeah, we'll, honestly. And, and to me, like, I, I was half joking. Like, when I'm having, when I'm thinking of Bomani as a brand, we are so much more invested in our community and being that, you know, uh, that newcomer, that, that company that isn't necessarily Miller Coors or Coca Cola or Anheuser Busch yet. This is just a couple of people who created a product because we believed in it and we thought it would make a lot of lot more people's lives a lot more fun. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of where 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 our brand falls today. Um, you you share with us a lot of the stuff and some really good advice too, Sam, which, which I appreciate. Um, can you talk a little bit about something along the way that either really surprised you or caught you guys off guard and you had to deal with? Who caught us off guard? Um, COVID. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> the, the biggest thing for us, there's nothing that could have, that could have prepared us for COVID and the learning there. So one of the, the pieces of advice my mom gave to us, and this is, you know, months before COVID, this is when we were building the supply chain before we were on shelves or anything. And she said, look, a healthy and successful business is not a business with a good plan. A healthy and successful business is one that can adapt and pivot quickly. So we had built a business that was nimble, that was flexible, that could adapt to culture changes, um, regardless of us even obviously knowing that the COVID pandemic was going to happen. So when COVID hit, we already had an infrastructure that allowed us to be flexible and nimble and figure out how we could still, you know, introduce our product to new customers, regardless of what the market landscape was. And that's a piece of advice I would give to anybody. The I don't know if it's as important to say these are the hurdles that might get you or just the overall advice is prepare for the fact that hurdles will come get you. Whether that yeah. means creating out clauses as contracts, whether that means hiring people who have flexible positions, all of those things are really important to make sure that the hurdles are going to come. It's just all about how you clear them. Can, can we get your mom to come do a class at, at the community sometime? It'd be really great. You know, I'll ask her. I, I think she's got it. I think she's got it nailed. Um, We did, we did talk a little bit, um, Sam, about supply chain and you just mentioned it. So can you kind of talk about why and how you guys address the whole supply chain thing before you went through the the big launch push? Yeah. So it's, it's a really important and very mature decision in hindsight. I'm proud of a, you know, what a 22, 23 year old version of myself making that decision. Um, with, with my team, obviously. So we, when we quit our jobs in you know, early 2019, we were intending to go to market that summer. As soon as we announced Bomani, we realized we had so much more demand than we could ever fulfill with our existing supply chain. So we said, okay, hold on. We are going to make a very mature decision here and we're going to spend the time it requires to build a supply chain that can scale. Because at the time, the, you know, the pressure is so low. You, know, you, don't, you might have a couple stores here and there who are relying on you, but you're not in, in hundreds or a thousand doors of major resale partners who are going to kick you right out if you can't, uh, dem- you can't, you know, supply yeah, that's the right. demand coming in. Yeah. So when the pressure was lower, we said, okay, you know what, we're going to take our time, build a supply chain, and then we're actually going to go to go to market when we're confident we can scale. And now obviously that we're scaling and growing really rapidly, we're able to make the supply chain move smoothly. Yeah. There's no, uh, vacuums are not allowed in, um, 
you know, in, in stores and, <laughs> right. In, 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 in actual, in, in doing some things with, with store checks where you used to have displays, like you would do a cardboard display or a shipper or whatever. If you went in after a week and they had thrown a, a competitor's product on there, that was great because you knew your stuff had all turned. Yeah. Right? And, they, yeah. and they have to fill up the space. <laughs> so it's like, well, what's that doing there? Well, it, that's there because we sold through. This is, yeah. this is good. We can, we can do this. Um, so, all right. So roll up now. Uh, so what did you do about planning for this year for 2021 and maybe looking a little into 2022, because we, we didn't really, and maybe don't really even know about the pandemic effect. How'd you guys bounce with that? Yeah. So I think it's really important to do, to do two things. Number one, really create a core set of pillars that work for your company. It could be anything. Maybe you're really good at marketing. Maybe you're really good at digital. Maybe you're really good at TikTok. Maybe you're really good at you know demoing or whatever else it may be. Whatever your strengths are, you will know after the first couple of months of the first year, this is what really moves our product. This is what authentically introduces our product to, to the market who likes it a lot. And then most importantly, the market who will repurchase it. So you know, for us, it was like, okay, we realized we had started naturally building a community. So we said, okay, let's call it the Cold Buzz Crew. So we, we're, we call it the Cold Buzz Crew now. And if you would ask me today what our most powerful asset is, it's not the fact that our product tastes delicious because our product does taste delicious. We won the World Beverage Innovation Award. It is obviously zero sugar, zero carbs. We have a strong retail footprint. We have incredible distributors. We have a great marketing team and a sales team and a sampling team. Like All those things are there. But I would say our biggest strength is the community that we've built. It's kind of like, that cult following of people who really just genuinely understand the vision, want to be part of the movement. So similarly, regardless of what your plan is, you have to obviously have those pillars that you know work for you. And then on top of that, as a growing brand, like I mentioned, innovating every day, you want to host controlled experiments on what is the next thing that's going to work. So for example, um, maybe you're a, if you're a car manufacturer and you're saying that the way that this works really well is that we do commercials where they're eating hamburgers in the cars. I'm just making something up here. And then your next thing is like, wait, what if, what if it works that we can sell motorcycles with tacos? Like test that out. Like actually make sure that you're right. intentionally not satisfied with what you're doing now. Do what you're doing now first and well, and then also host tests to see what the next growth channel is. Right. To see where it's going to go. So that, yeah. brings me to, that brings me to that next question. So what is the next growth channel or what can you talk about? About. So there is a major, major growth channel that we're launching in a couple of months here. I can't say it quite yet. Okay. But, um, please stay tuned because it is going to be incredible. We'll we'll bring you back or or we'll or we'll put it in the mailing when we do it. Um, Perfect. I did want to talk about uh, uh, D2C. First of all, uh, what's the website people can get to Bomani on? Yeah, it's just drinkbomani.com. That's B-O-M-A-N-I, drinkbomani.com. And you can just go to our order online and get Bomani delivered to you know 34 states. There, there you go. So, so was that effort an outgrowth of the fact that you were being restricted in the pandemic or how did you guys, uh, you know, uh, look at D2C? Yeah. So in our, in our category, D2C is, is obviously what it means traditionally, which is what I just described. If you go to our website and you go to order online, it's very much a D2C experience the same way as you would buy D2C from any other website. D2C and alcohol could also mean though, like kind of the retail couriers. I'm talking about Instacart and GoPuff, both of whom we work with as well. Drizzly, you know, all those types right. of retail couriers we're going to pick up from a warehouse or a store and go drop it off to your door. And yeah, it was exactly that. It was, it was a result of the demand during COVID. People wanted to drink Bomani, but they wanted to be able to order it to the comfort of their own home. They didn't necessarily want to go to the store. 
And um, so, yeah, we innovated a DTC channel to make sure that we could do that. That's that's pretty awesome. And um, and, and obviously the legal restrictions and stuff, you guys got that figured out. So, you know, yeah, a lot of fun stuff work. there. <laughs> how, about your, how about the on-premise part of it? Did you were you trying to sell it just as a drink by itself or as a mixer or how did you approach that? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So first of all, when COVID first hit, we obviously Bill Monty is 5.7% ABV and we donated 5.7% of our net proceeds to the bartender's emergency assistance program, because obviously they were people who were looking for work because of circumstances out of all of our control, they weren't able to get that work. And we wanted to be a part of like, you know, provide a helping hand as much as we could as a young company. And so we've always been very much involved with the bartender community, the mixology community. And today, if you go to a bar or restaurant, you'll typically find Bomani in two placements, right? One placement is on the coffee menu or the alcohol menu that just is Bomani as it is out of the can. Um, and they can, they'll usually serve it alongside a cup of ice and offer you cream of sugar. One of the mo- most important parts about Bomani is that it is customizable. So we attribute a lot of our really strong repurchase rate because you know, one thing that all of our re- retail partners are really excited about is that Bomani has an off-the-charts repurchase rate. In other words, when people try it, they buy it again and again and again. Yeah. And then, yeah, what, one of the big pieces we attribute to that is that people know how to make Bomani their own, whether it's adding cream and sugar, whether it's pouring it over ice. We have a hundred cocktail recipes on our website. And that's growing because we still have bartenders and mixologists and just people who are at home who had a cool little cocktail they wanted to share with us. Um, and we'll put those on our website to, to make sure to share inspiration with other people. So at a bar or restaurant that has Bomani, you'll typically also find a cocktail it's uh, that uses Bomani as the base. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, and that that's exciting. I took, I did take a look at the website and uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were first talking and uh, just amazing. And the fact that some of that comes <laughs> awesome. from user generation is just, uh, you know, ab- absolutely great. You know, we're totally. Right. It's, it's incredible. We're very thankful. Like I said, we're very, very thankful for the cold bus crew. In Sam, in that, um, you were talking about the strength of your organic community and stuff that was built up from, from social and not paid and whatever. Did you guys, was that internal uh, with you guys to start with? Did you go to an agency? How, how do you handle that, that much, you know, building of a community? Yeah, definitely. It was, it was an internal effort. Um, we started with just saying like, look, like I mentioned, when, when people were going through COVID, we were all going through very similar experiences and that, Things that we were so used to, like restaurants and gyms, were all of a sudden closed and we had to figure out bars were closed. We all of a sudden had to figure out how to you know, still have fun and still live our lives despite, despite all of those things, this once-in-a-lifetime event. And really the one-liner that we took away was we don't need to sell a million Bomanis to a million people. If we want to sell a million Bomanis, let's sell it to a thousand people who really care about the vision and the product. So that was kind of the idea that said, look, we don't need to be like throwing all this money into social media to prospect the next best person. If we have a community of you know a couple thousand or a thousand followers on Instagram, let's just make sure that community is happy. And now that we've scaled and we have you know nineteen twenty thousand followers on Instagram, and we have you know one, we're one of the most viewed alcohol brands on TikTok. Hashtag Bomani Partner has like over twenty seven million views. So even though we've scaled, we still maintain those fundamentals of putting our customer first, focusing on building the community, and focusing to make sure that the community understands how much they mean to us. Yeah, and that's and that's awesome, and it's also authentic. Uh, checks all those, you know, checks all those boxes. But there's there's so much of that that is, I think, really exciting about marketing today versus 20 years ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, I I've worked with a client where we were doing an elevator pitch thing. We we're trying to figure out, we're tossing it around and whatever, and we actually ended up with permission 
using a descriptor sentence, it was a paragraph, a couple of sentences from an Amazon review because we'd read the Amazon or the person who handles Amazon had read the Amazon review and said, this is really great. And she sends it around to the rest of people in the company, right? And when yeah. it came time to how are we going to, how do we nail this in a couple of sentences or in a graph? Whatever it says, well, you know, uh, you know what, what Teresa in, you know, New Jersey has got the <laughs> words, right? Can we just send yeah. Teresa a note and say, could we possibly use this for, and here's like a couple of coupons or what do you, what do you want? And, but, but it was, it was a, it was an organically generated, you know, user description that, you know, us marketing guys, you know, I, I, I could have sat down for hours and tried to come up with something. I wouldn't have come close to what she nailed. Right. Just, you know, uh, right off the top. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, it's great fodder and it makes for, it makes for a lot of fun. Are you guys going to do, or have you been doing a little bit, put your toe on the water with event stuff? Oh yeah. Big time. Like we'll do events at a bar or restaurant. We'll do events at nightclubs. We'll do events um, around major sporting events, major concerts, like everything that's going on. That's really important culturally to whatever neighborhood we're talking about. will be a part of those events for sure. In fact, right, just this right. coming this coming weekend, we're going to be over at um, Dirty Bird Festival up in Northern California. <laughs> Excellent. No. Yeah. Great, great idea. See that fitting in. It's really super. Well, hey, Sam, I would just want to let you know, uh, appreciate very much the time you've taken and all the advice and stuff you've shared with us. Uh, we're going to be following the, um, you know, the, the rise of Bomani and, and what else you guys are doing, because uh, it's just a really exciting, really exciting story. I appreciate that. Thank you again so much for having me. You can check hey. us out on yeah Instagram at Drink Bomani at on TikTok at Drink Bomani. And like I said, our website is just drinkbomani.com. Drinkbomani.com. And before you go, you know, we we like to torture our guests a little bit. So <laughs> um, you know, there's so many great ideas and so much great advice you've shared with us. And again, much appreciated. Can can you have or do you have a, a particular pet phrase or a pet word or something that you want to share with your fellow entrepreneurs out there, uh, you know, as they're going through their journeys every day. For sure. So any entrepreneur, anyone who's starting a company or taking a leadership role in the company, favorite quote is a worthy leader has the desire to serve. So all of us founders, leaders will make mistakes. The best way to grow your culture, to empower your people is not necessarily to do the most work or consistently hold them accountable. Like hard work and holding people accountable are both important attributes. But at the end of the day, your team will be healthier, happier, and more successful if they know that above all, you're there to support and to serve them. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome advice, Sam. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You know, thank you again. And uh, we'll be talking down the road, you know. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, and thanks to all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, health, and wellness, you should be a part of the Next Level Brands community. Education, resources, workshops, founder coaching, and networking. More information is available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. Nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.